Turn please to the book of Isaiah chapter number 40. <clears throat> we'll read some verses here and to try our best to give you what the Lord has dealt with our heart about for the service this morning. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter number 40. We'll begin reading this morning in verse number 25 and read down through the end of the chapter. Isaiah chapter 40, when you found your place, if you're able, willing to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 40, and we'll begin reading in verse number 25. The Bible says, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high. Behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. The, he calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested this morning in these verses that we read here and you're hearing. The Lord began to deal with my heart yesterday about the service this morning and he brought my heart to this scripture. And there's a word that keeps coming up in these verses. In verse number 28, the question is asked to the people of God, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary. In verse number 29, the writer says, He giveth power to the faint. In verse number 30, Even the youth shall faint and be weary. In verse 31, And they shall walk and not faint. The Lord began to deal with my heart, and I want to preach this morning if He would help me up for just a few minutes and you'd pray for me on you don't have to faint. You don't have to faint. Now here in the scripture we understand if you read and study the word of God, especially the book of Isaiah, it is often called the Bible within the Bible. The book of Isaiah has 66 chapters and there are two main divisions in the book of Isaiah. The first 39 chapters have one theme. They deal with a lot of judgment and a lot of woe. And then it changes in chapter number 40 where we read 
uh, this morning and it begins another division and it is the last 27 chapters. I don't think it's any coincidence in the Word of God that the Old Testament has 39 books and the New Testament has 27 books. And the major shift that comes in in chapter number 40 which would be a type and a picture of the New Testament is the bringing in of hope. It looked like in the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah that there was no hope. But in chapter number 40 the Bible says the Lord speaks Isaiah and he says comfort my people. And he begins to preach and to tell them and it reads very much like the coming of John the Baptist if you read uh, uh, the scriptures it says in verse number 3 the voice of him that cried in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord uh, make straight in the desert a highway uh, for our God and the, the, the text begins to go on and on and so uh, there's a major shift here uh, uh, in the language or in the theme of the book of Isaiah and the Lord deals uh, with Isaiah about hope now uh, the, the historical context or uh, in reading the writing and putting these verses in its context the Lord is addressing the concerns of the people they are in bondage and in affliction and they don't think that God is paying attention to them and that God notices where they are that is the historical application the practical or the prophetic application would be when the Lord would come and the shift between the old Old Testament and the New Testament when they had been in silence for 400 years and now uh, the people of God are under Roman oppression and uh, Roman affliction and they're looking uh, for the coming of the Messiah but they don't think he's going to come. He's not come yet. There were many uh, who had given up hope that he would ever come uh, uh, and those things are very real. The historical context and the prophetic application but we must understand that there's a practical application to us today that we are in the last days that we're living in perilous times in trying times in time of affliction and sometimes it feels like as we tried to preach Wednesday night that it seems that maybe God has overlooked us doesn't understand where we are doesn't see all the trouble we're in and if we're not careful this feeling inside of us to faint will begin to come up. It was happening to the people of God in this context. It happened to the people of God in the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament and it's happening among the people of God in our day today. The word faint means to grow weary. It means to tire out. It means to become exhausted. It means to lose heart. It means to despond or to feel like there's no hope for the situation that is ahead. It means to become relaxed. It means to let loose. It means to feel no need or no desire to go any further or to have your hand at the task that is at hand. And we are seeing that all around us today. 
Now as I began to study in the Lord, I began to speak to my heart. I think if we read the scripture here and other scriptures, this is not the only scripture in the word of God that speaks about fainting. It is mentioned in the New Testament. We are commended and commanded in the book of Galatians. Paul writes that we shall reap in due season if we faint not. And so there was not a reality under this thing of faint in order to become faint. Then why would Paul deal with the New Testament church and New Testament saints about the reality or the expectation or the hope that lies for all of us if we faint not? And so there's a great reality to this thing of fainting, but you don't have to. We deal with this right, and we're in these last days, and I see it so much, and I hear it so much. People almost act like it just has to be this way. And the church excuses itself for the lack of power. And the church excuses itself for the little things. And I understand we don't have the power to make anything happen. That's all of God. But the Bible still does say that He can do exceeded abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. It's still at work in the church in the last days. But many of the people of God are fainting or have fainted and we need some help in this day. I think fainting is a a threefold act. I think it comes in three steps. If I look at the word of God right and the Lord dealt with my heart uh, yesterday as I was reading the scripture, I think there are three things involved. I think the first step is mentally. That you lose sight of what really matters. And that was part of the Sunday school, well really the whole theme of the Sunday school lesson this morning is what really matters in the Corinthian church. That was their problem. They had their eyes on everything that did not matter and it was causing despair in them. And we're in that day to day among our churches is we're losing sight of what really matters. Our focus is not what it should be. And if you read the scripture that I read in your hearing this morning, here in the book of Isaiah, especially verse number 27, the Lord is asking Israel a question. He's asking his people. And he said, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. This is not that Israel saying he can hide his sin, but what Israel is saying are the people of God are saying is that God is not noticing where we are and what we're going through. He doesn't see us in our affliction. He doesn't see us in our problem. He's not helping us. He's not moving. And they begin to be mentally affected by what they see. Their focus is not on the one that can help them, but their focus is on all the problems and all the trouble that's going on around them. And so they begin to mentally be affected and the fainting process, I believe, according to scriptures, the best I can understand, I think it begins in the mind. And so there's a mental step. And then there's a physical step. When not only is your, your side affected, but then your strength is affected. And they felt like physically they could not go on any longer. 
They felt physically like they could not put one foot again in front of the other. And they began to be drained. And, and their bodies began to wear out. And you can look at it in verse 28 through verse number 30. The Lord reminds them they can't make it in their own strength. And I'm going to tell you why so many of the people of God are tired in this day. And why we're wore out. is because we're trying to do everything on our own. We're trying to do everything in our own power. We're trying to make too many things work. And it's not in our power. And I'm not against it necessarily. But I'm telling you, there are preachers, and I'm not preaching against preachers or on preachers necessarily this morning, but there are preachers all over the land today that are wearing their people out trying to make them do things in their own power. They got all kinds of things. They cut meat on Sunday, twice on Sunday, then they'll meet again on Monday for something, meet again on Tuesday for something, come to church Wednesday night, meet again on Friday, go out on visitation. And the people are wore out because they're trying to do everything in their own power. Now I'm all for being in the house of God. I'm all for being together. But I'm telling you, it's not about what I can do or what you can do, but we better be trusted in what He can do. And I'm afraid in these days, and I didn't know I was going to say all this, but I feel it inside me. I'm afraid in these days we become too traditional. And we've allowed our traditions to dictate what we do and what we don't do. And often, because of our traditions, we push ourselves past what we are able to do. I believe that's right. And I know it's not popular. And I've got good preacher friends that face a lot of backlash. But I'm telling you, sometimes, I really believe sometimes it would do us good to come to the house of God on Sunday morning fired up and ready to get what God has, be sensitive and submissive and obedient or whatever it is God has, get what He has for us, rejoice in it, worship, get our soul stirred, our hearts fed, and go home and actually spend some time with our family and rest and come back on Wednesday night. You say, preacher, are you preaching against Sunday night service? No. But sometimes I feel like we over-traditionalize coming to the house of God. And I'm not giving an excuse to lay out Y'all not lay out. If the church doors are open and you're physically able to be there, I think y'all to be there. But I'm afraid we become too traditional in that. We feel like we come to the house of God. We've done God a service and we check it off. And everything we're doing is in our own power. And we're so tired and worn out, we can't even get any help from God. We are going to faint if something's not changed. I believe that's right. But... People in this day are so traditional. I mean, I know one preacher brother that as far as I know, he doesn't have Sunday night service and it's because the Lord told him not to. And he said, if the Lord told me to today, I'll have it again. But so far, he said, every time I've made plans to have it, the Lord just puts the brakes on it. And he has faced so much ridicule 
I don't know why I'm preaching this. It's just on my heart this morning. But what I'm trying to say is we ought to get what God has for us. If we're just coming to be coming, we're probably not coming for the right reason anyway. But if we're coming to get what God has and we can meet together and the power of God fall and we can get what we need and we can rent, there he is. According to the book of Hebrews, there still is a rest for the people of God and it's very needful in our day if you're not going to faint. And so there's a mental part. And that has to do with what you're seeing. Then there's a physical part that has to do with your strength. And you get worn out in body. And how you feel in your body. That's why of the old saying, and I believe it with everything that's in me. Somebody may, I don't know who was the first one to say it. But they said that Sunday, coming to church on Sunday is a Saturday decision. We run and run and run and push our bodies and try to get everything we can in on Saturday. And if we can't get it on Saturday, we'll push to get it in before church on Sunday. And then we come in the house of God and we can't even hold our eyes open. God help us. We're going to faint if we're not careful. You've got to have some rest. You can't go, and I'm preaching out of myself as much as anybody else this morning. You can't go, go, go all the time and it not affect you spiritually. Never have any time. And it'll affect everything about you. And I want you to hear me this morning. Because I believe the Lord's really dealt with my heart about this. And I'm preaching what's on my heart by the help and the love of God up this morning. But it'll affect everything about you. If you go, go, go all the time and you're always tired and you're always worn out, it'll affect your family. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect your spiritual standing. It'll affect everything about you. And when things around you become to be affected, then you will faint. See, it's because when all the other things begin to be affected, then the questions begin to rise. And it's a cycle. It's not just that we're mentally affected, then the mental never comes back and we're physically affected. But when we get, we don't deal with it when the mental part begins to be, it can be warded off. That's what the Lord is going to tell them. And I hope that's where I'm going to try to get to this morning by the help of God. When we don't deal with it mentally and then it begins to be physically, the physical exhaustion puts a greater strain on the mental exhaustion. And you get so tired. And then when everything with your family life begins to be affected and you're short with your spouse, and you're short with your children and then them questions uh, come up what's the use why do I even try uh, what's the point you'll lay down in bed at night and feel like there's no use at getting up on Sunday morning going to the house I know I'm preaching right it is a reality and it's got to be dealt with before you think it's got to be dealt with and so there's a there's a mental part and there's a physical part But if those parts are not corrected and dealt with, there will be a spiritual part. And that will cause you to faint. So see, the spiritual part is your spirit. The mental part's your sight. The physical part's your strength. But the spiritual part is that spirit within you, that drive, that want to, that desire. It can be suppressed. It can be weakened. It can be pushed down if you faint. I said already the definition of fainting is to lose heart. That's the spiritual part. All those others are mental and physical. When you get weak, when you become exhausted, when you tire out, when you're wore out, all of that. But when you lose heart, 
That's when the Spirit is affected. When you begin to, uh, the word is to despond. Uh, when you lose sight of any use in what you're doing. That's when the spiritual part of you is affected. And if it does, if it's not corrected, if you don't get the help that you need, you will faint. And that's what was going on with these people. These were the people of God. They were in a day of affliction and a day of bondage. And we're in that day today. There is so much afflicting the people of God. And there are so many things that have us in bondage. And it's a shame to say, but it's true. We, I don't think we'll ever get any help until we get honest with God. And many of the things that bind us and have us bound is by our own doing. We get so bound to the workplace. And we get so bound to our desires. And we get so bound to our hobbies. And bound to our flesh. That's why we got to put them aside. we got to mortify. It'll put you in bondage. And the will of God is never for the Christian experience to be bondage. It's not for you to be in bondage to your flesh. You're to mortify it. And you're not supposed to feel like you're in bondage to God. But there should be a freedom and a liberty to walk with God in the Christian way. Closer you get to God, if we do it in the right spirit, and I feel like I've been on this a few times, but I feel like I need to hit it again. The closer you desire to get to God, the freer you ought to feel in your heart. If what you're doing is producing a bondage in you, it's because I want you to hear me this morning. I want you, if you don't hear anything else, what I say, hear me this. If what you're doing is putting you in bondage, it's because you're doing it for the wrong reason. If in your pull to get closer to God, you feel like you need to do some things, but as you do them, it's putting you in bondage. It's because that you're doing them for the wrong reason. If you're doing them because you think it'll please the preacher, it's the wrong reason. I understand that there has to be a respect for the man of God and the I understand all of that, but I should not be the driving reason behind why you do what you do. If you're doing what you're doing to please your spouse, and I understand their biblical setups of the way God has it intended, but if the main driving force behind your service for God is to please somebody other than God, it will produce bondage in your life. And that's why separation and sanctification leave such a bad taste in the mouth of the people of God is because the majority of the time it's preached as bondage and to do it because it is so rather than knowing it in your heart that it pleases God. That's right. It is right. God's not pleased with preaching that produces bondage. I know that's not popular among some circles. And even some people that I love might take offense at that, but God's not pleased. I, my desire, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to bear my heart this morning. It's just us. And God knew who would be here and who wouldn't be. And God knew what needed to be done in this hour. And my desire is your pastor. I appreciate what the Lord's been doing. And I feel like people really are striving and pushing toward getting closer to God. And I thank God for it. But if it produces bondage in you, you better check up your driving force behind what you're doing. You better do it because God told you to. And it knows you know inside yourself that it pleases God to do what you you do and it's right God didn't call me to lay yokes upon you you can't bear 
I understand God called me to preach. And sometimes the preaching of the gospel don't say it exactly right. But if you're saved by the grace of God, uh, the outer man might not like it, but the inner man will want to do business with it. And he'll want to get it right with God and settle all that division and all that strife. And he'll scoot up to it and it won't produce bondage unto him, but it'll produce liberty and freedom and a walk with God in Christ. (coughs) And many people are fainting. Because they're under such bondage. And it's bondage mentally. And it's bondage physically. And it's bondage spiritually. And if something's not corrected. God wants me to preach to you this morning. on You don't have to faint. You may feel like you are fainting. And it may not even be spiritual things. There are physical things that can affect us. And we need the help of God. Maybe this morning you've tried to do all you can do to correct the things in your life. And it's not that you've done anything wrong. But God's just wanting you to... You may say it's insignificant. And it's my problem. And nobody else is facing it. But if it's a problem to you and it's hindering you and your spiritual walk, you better give it to God before you think. We, we bear a lot of burdens that are unnecessary in this day. We need to just give them to God. He said to cast all your care on Him, for He careth for you. And instead, we want to carry it all on our own. And it causes us to wear out mentally, and it causes us to wear out physically. And if something's not corrected, we'll start wearing out spiritually, and we'll faint before we know it. But the Lord said, you don't have to faint. That's what the Lord wants me to preach this morning. You don't have to faint. And according to these verses, best I can understand. I got to reading verse number 28 and it got to leaping up in me. He said, hast thou not known? He's speaking to the people of God. These are people that have had an experience with the Lord. Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. And so there's someone with us who doesn't faint. There's someone with us who never gets weary. And because of that, He can prevent us from fainting. You say, how does that happen? Well, let's look down here. In verse number 29, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no mighty increase of strength, even the youth shall faint and be weary. The Lord's trying to get them to understand it's not in your power, it's in mine. He said even the youngest and the strongest shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. Everybody that does it in their own power at some point or another are going to faint. But then verse number 31, there's a big little word that says, but. Even though the young men will faint, and all them that have strength will fall, and they'll all utterly fall, he said, but. They that wait upon the Lord. And then he begins to speak about what the Lord can do for us to keep us from fainting. And that's what I want to preach on for just a minute, and I'll be done. There are four things in this scripture in verse number 31 that the Bible says the Lord will do for us if we'll wait. That word wait means to trust. 
It means to put our expectation in. It means to re- rely on, to lean on, or to trust in, or to walk with. It means we put everything we are in Him. And no, we can't do it in us. It's all Him. And we know it is. And if we have that kind of mindset, and that kind of trust, and that kind of walk, and there are some preventative measures that will keep us from fainting. And the first one is, He said He will renew your strength. That's what he said. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know what that word renew means? It means to make new again. It means that when you feel like you're fixing to fall out, when you feel like you can't put one foot in front of the other, when you feel like you've reached the end, when you feel like you can't go on any longer, that the Lord will make your strength new again. And you know it's not in you. Paul said, though the outward man perish, yet the inner man's renewed day by day. This thing of not fainting is a daily warfare. It's a warfare. It's a battle in these days, especially these last days, to keep from fainting. But God promises renewed strength to help you along the journey. But not just renewed strength. And I don't know, I can't preach this this morning like God put it in my heart. It was stirring my heart last night and I'm so thankful. But not only will He renew your strength, He said He'll help you rise above it. He said, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. He can help you rise above the storm. He can help you walk on your water. He can help you climb to the highest height and where you can look down on all you're going through and see that He's with you and that He cares about you and He's taking you safely through. He can help you not faint by giving you the ability in your spirit to rise above the storm you're in. Now that doesn't mean that the storm goes away necessarily. But He'll change your perspective. When He gives you the ability to rise above and you look down on it from the way He views it, it will change your perspective. It will do something in you, cause your spirit to rise up and have strength when He gives you the ability to rise above it. To give you the strength to run your race. And we're all in a race. We all have our lap to run. But the scriptures here say, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. He can give you the extra boost that you need to run your race. He can cheer your heart when your heart is sad. He can give you physical strength. I've seen it. I have experienced it in my own life. Have you ever experienced? And thank God for spiritual things. I'm glad for spiritual strength. But there have been days that physically I could not go. There have been times I have walked from the pew to behind the pulpit and physically it was not in me to be able to preach. But God has given me what I needed to do the part that lay before me. I believe I'm preaching some folks you've experienced that too in your own life. That God can give you what you need. And see, the the problem we have in our day is we look at our problems, we look at our circumstances, and then we look at God. 
And we think, well, this problem is insignificant, so it must not matter to God. But He cares about everything you go through. I've heard people testify and people talk about, and I don't mean to just put him on the spot, but I've heard Brother Tim several times uh, talk about projects or things or at times at work that he needed God uh, to help move him. And I've done it and you have done it. I'm telling you there's nothing uh, too insignificant that God's not concerned. If you need help, if you need strength, he'll give you what you need uh, to, lay, to do the task that lays before you. We look at it as it's a hurdle, an obstacle that we have to overcome to run our race. It's the will of God that we run our race and we not faint. So if that's His will and there's a hurdle and an obstacle in our way, why don't we think He'll help us to overcome it, to rise above it, to get past it and run on for His glory? And then I thought about this. I thought, Lord... I don't know how you talk to him sometimes or how your mind works. I thought, Lord, this kind of is repetitious, ain't it? They'll run and not be weary and walk and not faint. If they can run, my common sense says walking should be no problem. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, The running is the task that lays before you. The walking is the relationship between us and him. The writer wrote, hand in hand, we walk each day, hand in hand, along the way, walking thus, I cannot stray. And I don't think it would be any discredit to the song, and I don't think if we could find the writer, he would feel hurt at me. But I'm going to say that walking that way, you'll not faint. When you have your hand in His hand, when you're waiting on Him, when you're trusting in Him, when you're relying in Him, it's not about how many storms come, He's already let you rise above it. It's not about how many races you got to run, how many hurdles you got to overcome, He's already given you the strength to run the race that's before you. It doesn't matter how little you feel your strength is. It's already been renewed. But when you clasp your hand in His hand and He strengthens the relationship when whatever problems come, it's not about how many days you battle with it before you turn to God. It's not exhausting all your power and then turning to Him. It's not about trying everything else first and then trying Him when that don't work. But when you come up on a mountain or you go in a valley, you just automatically turn to Him and say I'm a walking with you and you're a walking with me and I need your help I don't want to faint where I'm at and He'll strengthen your relationship and cause you not to faint I thought the Lord I was reading this and studying I thought, Lord, why didn't you, if that's the case, and the way the Lord's doing my heart, I thought, why didn't you put that in first? And he said, because all this other stuff will help. When the Lord brings you from a place where you feel like giving up, throwing in the towel, I really believe that's why the Lord recorded part of the reason that the Lord recorded in His Word all them times 
like Elijah under the juniper tree and Jeremiah saying, I'm going to give up and all the others and on and on and on and on. Is it the Lord ever brings you from a place where you feel like giving up, where you feel like you're about to faint, when you feel like throwing in the towel, when you feel like you cannot go on any further, it will strengthen your relationship. It will cause you to understand that our dependence is on Him for us to make it. But then the Lord promises a reward, a reaping. He said, "They let us not be, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I don't know, I think there could be an application preached about there is coming a day that we sing about. There's coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky. We're going to a better land. Thank God for that. But that's not, that's not contingent, thank God, on what we do or don't do. It's all about Him. But I personally believe that Paul is speaking about experiences that we can have in this life if we'll walk hand in hand with Him. And lean on Him and rely on Him and trust in Him. And here's what the Scriptures say. And I don't need to correct the King James Bible. It is right. And I'm not trying to correct it this morning. But the word do, if you look up the word in due season, it literally means thine appointed. In other words, God has an appointed season for you. And if you will not faint, if you will walk hand in hand with Him, if you will wait on Him, trust in Him. Oh, it's hard sometimes to have patience. It's hard sometimes, as was taught this morning, to be long-suffering, to just wait. But the Scriptures say if we wait on Him, if we trust in Him, if we're not weary in our work and our good work, in the work He's given us to do in our appointed season, we shall reap if we faint not. I thought about, and I'm done as far as I know this morning. I don't know if, if you've got anything out of it, but I've tried to preach my heart. I thought about, we plant gardens and it's coming to that season. You put that seed in the ground. And if everything goes the way it's supposed to go, there's an appointed time until the harvest. And everything has its own Appointed time. Corn does not mature at the same rate that beans do or tomatoes or everything else. And we look around sometimes and we're critical of our own life because our season's not coming in when somebody else's season is. Our reaping is not coming in. We're watching others reap and we're not reaping. But the promise is in due season, in your appointed time, <coughs> the Lord's looking down. All we're looking at is where we are and what we're going through. But the Lord sees a few days down the road that if you'll just walk hand in hand with Him and not give up and not faint, that just a few days down the road there's a reaping day. There'll be an experience that you'll be able to have that you will not have if you faint. You don't. Ha- I'm not preaching this morning about all of this on the contrary, I'm not preaching you're doing this in your own power. You've got to learn to rest in Him.
to lean on Him, to trust in Him. If you try to do it in your own power, you'll drive yourself crazy. Even the little things. It's so much better if the Holy Ghost will ever bring you the place in your life that even the little things, you just give it to God. It may seem trivial. It may seem insignificant. You may not even want anybody else to know that you've been asking God to help you. But if it's a problem to you, if it's draining your strength, if it's causing that feeling of weakness and loneliness, that feeling like He wants you to give it to Him. And let Him take care of it. So hand in hand you can walk each day. Hand in hand along the way. Walking thus I cannot stray. Hand in hand with Jesus. You don't have to faint. I think we live in a church age today that people think, well, because of the days we're in, because of circumstances, because it is perilous times, because, 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 and it's just normal to feel this way. And we just ride out the feeling and we go even deeper and lower until we feel like that's not the way. You don't have to faint. The Lord said, I know where you are. I know They thought He doesn't know where we are. He doesn't know what we're going through. He doesn't even see us. And the Lord said, have you not known, have you not heard that the Almighty God, the Creator, the Lord, He fainteth not, neither is weary. He said, why do you say, O Jacob, that your ways are hid from him? He said, I see you. I know where you are. And I'm here to help you. And you don't have to faint. And in your own life, you may look around and I feel like it's been very much the theme of the last few services. And God knows why. I'm just preaching what's on my heart this morning. God wants you to know He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. You don't have to faint. It's not just some predetermined thing that you can't do anything about if you'll look to Him. If you'll get Him to ask Him to help you for your sight to change, for your strength to be renewed, for your inner man, for you to be lifted up above it, for you to be able to have that strength to run the race, for you to be able to walk hand in hand with Him. You don't have to faint. I thought about and I hadn't thought about the verse in a long time and I'm done as far as I know. I thought about that verse in the Song of Solomon toward the, in the last chapter. All them women are looking and they don't understand this relationship between this woman and this prince. They're, they're questioning. They don't understand. He's come in a form as a shepherd that they... They, don't, they say, what, what's your beloved above all the others? Why, why is he so different? She begins to tell about all that he does. She said, as the apple trees are among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved unto me. But then toward the end, the, the change, the perspective shifts, and it's now the women looking. It's no, longer, it's no longer the shepherd. It's no longer the king. It's no longer the woman. But now it's the daughters of Jerusalem and they're looking. And they ask a question. They said, who is this that cometh up out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved? And that's a type of the church and the Lord. And there is an application, thank God, one day we're coming up out of here. But you may be in the wilderness now, in the valley, in the darkness, 
And you feel like God doesn't know where you are. And you feel like giving up. And you feel like you're going to faint. But the Lord wants you to know you don't have to. He knows where you are. And He can bring you up out of your wilderness. Up out of your valley. And you can come up out of it leaning on your beloved. Knowing that He cared. Knowing, see, the reality is that she was leaning on Him. She was resting on Him. It was His strength and not her own that was supporting her and bringing her up out of her wilderness. And if you're not going to faint, it's going to have to be His strength. It's going to have to be His might. Not, not in your own strength. Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And the Lord said to tell you this morning that you don't have to faint. I don't know what you're going through. But thank God this morning there's hope. And you don't have to faint. Father, I thank you this morning for the privilege and the opportunity to have been able to be in the house of God.